listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to take tonight and talk about the fact that you and I both have dominion and authority over sickness and disease. It's very important. Um, that's awesome, Andrew. Welcome. If she doesn't mind, uh, your best your best friend. Oh, best friend, your wife. I, I got you. I thought you said my best friend's wife. Welcome. Good to have you on. <laughs> yeah, the, the mustache is just barely starting to show. No mocking. Don't let there be a mocking spirit amongst the broadcast because we're just getting started. Um, by the way, it's Mustache May. You guys should be growing it and shaving the rest of your face. Um, <laughs> and so tonight we're going to deal with this fact because, you know, if you listen to mainstream preachers preach, they they literally would have you believe. You know, and it's I'll tell you why, why else it's pertinent. You look at everything that's going on in the world with, uh, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, and everybody's freaking out. Everybody's all scared, you know, about what's going to happen. I'm going to deal with that tonight because I don't care what's sweeping through the world. Corona, flu, swine flu, bird flu, unicorn flu, H1N1. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And uh, so this is why this is such a pertinent message for tonight. Because if you're going to be a Christian that walks in dominion, You have to realize that you walk in dominion all the time, not some of the time, all the time. And the power of God is flowing in your life and dominion belongs to you no matter where you are. doesn't matter if you're in America or if you're in a third world nation, you have authority over sickness and over disease. And tonight I'm going to show you that. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Pam. You have authority over sickness and disease and calamity. It's part of your covenant right as a believer. And uh, we need to we need to understand that. So we're going to go into the word of God. I'm going to show you some things. And, uh, and I'm going to stir your faith up. And I believe that tonight after this is over, I'm praying you'll see some things you've never seen before. But more than that, I'm praying that such a fire and a boldness jumps into your spirit that you refuse to ever allow sickness and disease to operate in your life. We need, and I like, my wife makes this uh, point a lot because she lo- she loves to teach on the subject of healing. It's one of her favorite things to speak about and to study, the subject of healing. And uh, I like that she makes this point. She said, you know, some people are willing to accept sicknesses in their life as long as they're small enough to manage. Think about that. Some Christians are willing to accept certain sicknesses in their life as long as they're small enough to manage. But my wife says this, and I think it's a great thought, that we've got to get just as offended in our faith over a cold as we do with cancer. Don't wait to kick your faith into gear when the doctor uh, looks at you with sad face and says, I'm sorry, we just found that it's cancer. You have cancer. Don't wait to kick your faith into gear when you get a report that's that serious, and I'm not saying you will, but if you were to ever get a report, don't wait. Say, well, I'll wait till there's a crisis, then I'll really believe God. No, believe Him now before there's any problem. Believe Him now while you're healthy. Believe Him now while things are going great. 
And if you'll set your faith now and start building a strong faith for healing now, let little things bother you and offend your faith. You know, let a cold. One of the things we need to understand is sickness and disease is trespassing on the property of God. This body you're looking at, the body you look at in the mirror, that's the property of God himself. Jesus purchased you with his own blood. You you don't belong. Remember this. You don't belong to yourself. That's a very, very important thought. In fact, uh, put this in the comments section. I don't belong to me. Put that in the comments section. That's it. I don't belong to me. This really destroys that whole uh, new movement we've got going on in the earth. You know, where my body, my choice. That destroys that whole thought process. When you realize, in all reality, it's not your body. (laughs) If you understand scripture, it's not your body. It's God's body. God purchased your body through the blood of Jesus. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. That's the, that's what redemption's all about. He redeemed me. Just like you would redeem a coupon. Just like you would redeem um, a code in an online store. You're redeeming it. It means you're, you're paying, but you're using a code. You're redeeming it. Once it's spent, it's spent and you've made the purchase. That's what it is. You were purchased on the cross of Calvary. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible says in verses 19 and 20, think about this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You see that? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, who you have from God, and you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price? Stop right there and get, this is a great way. This is a great way to start this session. Because once you understand that your body is not your property, but God's property, then you understand how he actually, it works in his favor to protect and to upkeep his investment. Think about that. You are God's investment. And it makes all the sense in the world for God to protect his investment. You are part now of the body of Christ. I mean, I want you to see this because this, once you see it from this angle, man, it's so powerful. Once you catch it from this angle, I'm a part of the body of Christ and I don't belong to me. I belong to God because he purchased me with the blood of Jesus. And so now I am actually part of Jesus body. So if you'll fully have faith in what the word teaches and understand that my body should reject sickness and disease because it's a part of Christ's body and the devil is trespassing 
on God's property. Who does the devil think he is to trespass on God's property? I don't belong to me. I belong to God for I was bought with a price. So I've got to glorify God in my body. My body belongs to Jesus. My body belongs to God. And because it does, he said, I'll protect my investment and I'll make sure that sickness and disease stay far from your body, far from your family, far from your house. How do you receive it? You take authority and by faith, you take the promises of God. And so dominion, you've got dominion, not just over sin, but dominion over sickness and disease. You know, I had to ask this question at the beginning of the lockdown. With all of this foolishness, all of this foolishness about social distancing and all this other stuff, when there have been actual doctors, it blows my mind how doctors who are respectable, not conspiracy theorists, respectable doctors that have, you know, fellowships with organizations, multiple PhDs, been practicing for decades, that will get on independent news sources and say, that even the social distancing practices are nonsense because there aren't viruses don't jump six feet. They don't jump 12 feet. It doesn't work like that. And so um, it's, it's interesting to me how all of their videos get quickly taken down from YouTube and quickly taken down from Facebook. But even they talk about the fact that the masks, everything about it, all the things about it, and they're not even Christians. And they talk about how ridiculous it is. I, I say it's ridiculous from a Christian standpoint because of what the Bible teaches. Like I, I had to ask the question. I had to ask the question uh, to, to, to all of you that watch at the beginning of this lockdown. Make up your mind right now because this is Bible. This is scripture. Make up your mind right now. Do your hands catch and spread diseases or do your hands heal the sick? Because it cannot be both. It can't be both. Either your hands are full of the power of God and they heal the sick, or your hands are just normal hands like everybody else's and they catch and spread diseases. But you got to make up your mind. Because see, we've got work to do. We've got a job to do. And I'm not going to live for the rest of my life in fear, wondering Sitting around wondering, well, I wonder if there's a virus here. I wonder if I'll catch something. Can't ever touch the, the railings on the escalator. Can't touch anything in public. Can't. I'm not going to live the rest of my life in fear and worry about what's around me and what I could possibly catch. Worry about going to third world nations and catching some disease that they have in a third world nation. I'm not going to go through my life living like that because I either believe the mighty word of God or I don't believe it at all. I either believe the mighty word of God or I don't believe it at all. And the Bible says, the Bible says they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall, not they might, they shall recover. They shall recover. And one of the things you've got to understand is um, you and I are different than people who don't have Christ. We're different than people who don't carry the power of the Holy Ghost because the moment you get saved and the power of the Holy Spirit is deposited into your physical body and you become the temple of the living Holy Spirit and you have a treasure hidden within earthen vessels, you become different. You're a new creation. You're not the old. You're not like everybody else. You're a new creation, the Bible says. 
Old things are passed away. Take a look. All things have become new. And new creations, the new creation reality can lay their hands on the sick and they must recover. They must recover. Why? Because the Bible says we're filled with the power of God. And so I have to make up my mind. I have to make up my mind. Do my hands catch and spread diseases or do my hands heal the sick? Because if so, I'm just going to hang it up right now. If I'm so weak in the spirit as a preacher, I'm talking about as a minister of the gospel. If I'm so weak in the spirit that I'm going to run around with rubber gloves on and a mask because I'm afraid of a disease or I'm afraid that I'll catch a virus or whatever it might be and hide behind the excuse of quote unquote wisdom. All I'm really saying is that I don't believe what the word of God teaches. That's all I'm saying. Because you, you you understand logically, right? I'm not harping on something that's my opinion. It cannot be both. When did you see? Let me give you something that was even more severe. Let me give you something that was more severe than COVID. That was Old Testament leprosy. Old Testament leprosy. And in fact, according to the law of Moses, lepers were to be cut off from society and they lived in their own colony. They were quarantined. And I'm sure you knew that. But under the law of Moses, remember this. If they came out from their quarantine and came back around normal society, do you know what the penalty was? They were to be stoned to death. They were to be executed. That's how severe and contagious that disease was. And so they weren't allowed, according to the law of Moses, to come out of their leper colonies and come back around people that were not infected with leprosy. But notice this, that when two lepers wanted to receive a miracle from Jesus, they risked their lives. Remember this, they risked their lives to come back around society because they knew what Jesus could do. And the Bible says that they came back in society where other people, normal people were to, to see if Jesus, they said, will you make us whole? If you will, if you're willing, if you're willing, what did Jesus say? Notice that Jesus did not. Now, were they breaking the law of Moses? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. They shouldn't have been around normal people. They shouldn't have been around Jesus. He didn't have leprosy. In all reality, they should have been stoned to death. They broke the law of Moses. But when they came and risked their lives to see if Jesus would heal them, notice that Jesus did not rebuke them for breaking the law of Moses. Notice that Jesus did not say, let's get some people out here, get some stones. Let's put these guys to death. You're putting our lives in danger. I don't understand why you would come over here while we got all these people that are completely well, completely healthy, and here you come with your leprosy. I'm over here trying to minister in the synagogue. How in the how dare you come over here and break the law of Moses and bring that leprosy on this side of town? Notice Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't harp about the quarantine. Jesus didn't freak out about the contagiousness of the disease. He didn't freak out and say, everybody get back in the synagogue. Quickly get back in the synagogue. They're out. They're out. They're everywhere. No, Jesus didn't do it. He honored their faith. If you're willing, you can make us clean. I am willing. 
I'm willing. And they were healed. He didn't freak out about the contagion. He didn't freak out about the quarantine. He didn't freak out about the law of Moses. He just healed them. What about when 10 lepers came to Jesus? Forget the two. What about when 10 lepers came to him? Think about that. 10 came to him. Lord, if you're willing, you can. I know you can make us clean. Yeah. Oh, I'm willing. Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were made whole of their plague. As they were going, made whole of their plague. Jesus didn't freak out. So Jesus made up his mind, didn't he? Jesus made up his mind about dominion over sickness and disease. Jesus was never sick. Though he took the sicknesses of the world and destroyed them by taking stripes upon his back. And we know that's true because of 1 Peter 2.24. By whose stripes you were healed. So, So you understand what's going on? Jesus was not freaked out, screaming at people to get back in their quarantine, freaked out because they were contagious. I mean, I'm sure if, if you had an artist draw a picture of Jesus right now, he'd be going around wearing a surgical mask. Jesus in a surgical mask, covering up his mouth, face, and beard. But Jesus was not freaking out about their leprosy. Jesus understood, I have dominion over sickness and disease. And over all the power of the devil. He said, all power is given unto me. All power, not some. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. This is Acts 10.38, by the way. With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of of the devil. For the Lord was with him. So when God's with you, and of course he's with all of us because he's living by his Holy Spirit in our physical bodies. Do you realize that? Every day, no matter where you go, no matter where where you are, what you're doing, the Holy Spirit is living inside your physical body. The same spirit, by the way, that raised Christ up from the dead, Romans 8, 11. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what you, you know, which side of the tracks you grew up on. If you're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he is quickening. That word quickening means making alive your physical body. Can I give you one of the prayer points that we we pray every day when I wake up? Most days it's the first thing. And a lot of days I'll just say it throughout the day. I'll say, Lord, thank you. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me today, and he's quickening my physical body. I thank you that life-giving virtue is flowing through my body today and destroying every foreign bacteria, every foreign virus, anything that would try to set up shop in my body. I thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in me. I thank you that my organs today receive healing virtue from heaven. I thank you that my bloodstream receives healing virtue. Thank you that my joints and my muscles and my bones 
bones and my brain all receive healing virtue today. Every part of my body is is being touched now by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. And I am receiving divine impartation of supernatural health from heaven in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, that every day that I live, I get stronger and stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker, but stronger and stronger and stronger. And I thank you, Lord, that if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me, then if he can raise a dead man, then he can also keep every wicked thing that would steal my health or strength away from my body. I thank you, Lord, that you're putting a hedge of protection around my house. And every wicked thing sent from the devil to kill me is literally destroyed before it can even come into my property. So things like that. Because we've got dominion over sickness and disease. Why? Because the same power that was transferred to Jesus was transferred to you. I I give unto you. We dealt with this on the first night. Luke 10, 19. I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil. All of it. You've got authority over all the power of the devil. So remember this. Sickness is the power of the devil. It's not the power of God. It's not the power of Christ. It's the power of the devil. Because remember this, and I was I was speaking to somebody about this today um, regarding a couple of verses in the New Testament, because if you're not careful and don't understand how to properly um, divide Scripture or interpret Scripture, you'll look at certain verses in the New Testament thinking that sickness came on people from God for a reason to, to bring him more glory. But remember this, sickness is an evil thing. It's an evil thing. How do I know that sickness is an evil thing? If you read Acts 10, 38 that I just quoted, you'll see that sickness is described as an oppression of the devil, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Every sick person that Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil, not of God, of the devil. I said this the other night. It seems extremely simple when you say it this way, but people need to hear it in a simplified way. The devil does the oppressing. Jesus does the setting free. The devil does the oppressing. Jesus does the setting free. So understand, all sickness is wicked. All sickness, Old Testament and new. Notice that the Bible says, even in the Old Testament, that sickness and disease were actually things that would come upon people for disobedience. They were curses. They were curses. If you think God's in the business of cursing his own children, then you don't understand the nature of God. And remember this, God is not a different God in the New Testament than he was in the Old Testament. He's the same God today that he's always been. He doesn't change. His nature doesn't change. His characteristics do not change. And so it's important to know and to understand God's always been the same God with the same personality and the same nature and the same character, the same traits. He doesn't change. He wasn't this big 
angry God in the Old Testament that was just striking people with sicknesses and diseases and killing people. That's that's. And then in the New Testament, he's just some soft-spoken, cuddly creature that wants to just hug up on you. That's not who, God's not any different. He's not any different in the New Testament than he is in the Old Testament. He's the same. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The two references for what I just said are Malachi 3.8 for God and Hebrews 13.8 for Jesus Christ. He's the same. He doesn't change. Neither does God change. And so if we understand that sickness is evil, then what you're saying, if you truly believe God is sometimes the author of sickness and disease, you believe that God is evil to a degree. You have to believe that God is evil to a degree because he's using evil things that are of the devil. He's Think about this. He's using evil things that are of the devil and touching his children with those things. I mean, if that's what your thought process about God is, you've got a lot of studying to do, a lot. Because sickness is evil. It's always been evil. It's always been looked at as a curse. God was the one who said, even in the Old Testament, I, none of the, I'll put none of these diseases upon you. None. None that have come upon the Egyptians. None. Why? The Egyptians were enemies of God. The Israelites were not enemies of God. They were his children. New Testament. New Testament. Remember, same nature, same character, all of it is the same. So the same God who wasn't um, using evil things in the Old Testament is not using evil things in the New. He's holy. God is completely and utterly holy. There is no evil in God. And the Bible says he doesn't tempt man with any evil. He's completely and utterly holy. It is the devil that does wicked things. He steals, he kills, he destroys. Because remember this, and I, I've, I've taught this multiple times, but let's hear it again. If God sometimes uses sickness and disease to teach a lesson or to bring himself more glory or whatever people may argue, then why was it that there was never a time in the Gospels that Jesus said, well, um, let me check real quick. Let me check real quick uh, if this is God's will for your life before I heal you. Because if it's my father doing this, I don't want to take it off of you because he's doing it for his own purposes. Jesus never checked. Furthermore, there was never a time where someone came to Jesus to be healed and he said, no, I'm not healing you because I and the father are one. And I know for you, God put this on you for a reason. God, my father gave you this to make you a stronger believer. He didn't do that. There's never a person, never a person in the New Testament that Jesus ever came into contact with that had faith that he did not heal. Remember that. And so God's nature is not sickness and disease. God's nature is never sickness and disease. That's not what he does. He's a healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. That means the God that he is our healer, the God that heals us. Remember that. 
He's the God that heals us. He's not the God that makes us sick. He's the God that heals us. So if Jesus went through, and this is why I took the time to teach this, uh, what was it, last week or the week before, Hebrews chapter one says that Jesus is the exact representation of his father's nature. Hebrews 1.3. He's the exact imprint of the nature of God. So whatever you saw Jesus doing was a perfect example of God in heaven. That's why Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father because we're identical. I do only his will. When, let me ask you, if he only does what his father does and he can only do what his father tells him to do, show me an example in the gospels of Jesus making someone sick. Because if you can't find Jesus doing it, then God didn't do it. It's not his nature. Jesus always treated sickness and disease as an enemy and defeated it and brought healing. Always, always, in every case, always, 100% of the time. And the Bible tells us why. They were oppressed of the devil and Jesus healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Remember that. People were oppressed of the devil and then Jesus, being one with the Father, would heal them without questioning, well, maybe it's my Father, let me ask him. He never did a test, he never gave him a survey, none of that. He would just make them whole because that's what God does. God's a healer. And so I have to cover this first because if I don't, then people will always jump out. Well, how can you say that? Because, you know, sometimes sickness and disease is is God using it as a lesson in our lives. And that they get into this false doctrine that the Bible doesn't teach. Bible doesn't teach it. It does not teach it. And people have been taught that by preachers that can't properly interpret scripture. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the father above in whom there is no variableness. That's the King James means he doesn't change his mind about how he feels about you. Neither shadow of turning. So God's not going to change. He does the same thing always. And what he sends down from heaven are good gifts. Let me just update you in 2020. Cancer is not a good gift. Diabetes is not a good gift. Glaucoma, depression, you know, none of these things are good gifts. Everybody that gets them is trying to get free from them. Everything that everybody that gets them is trying to have a cure. Everybody that goes through it is trying to get out of it. I'm not trying to stay in it. It's wicked. They are wicked things. They came from sin. Until sin entered into the world, there was no sickness. That should show you. Listen, just the origin of sickness should show you that God's not in it. The origin of sickness is sin. Remember this? Remember this? It's interesting that we talked about the creator's original intent. Remember that? The creator's original intent. Did God create Adam sick? No. Did he create Eve sick? No. Was there sickness in the garden? No. 
Was there sickness in the earth? No. There was no sickness. There was no disease. How did sickness begin? It entered into the world. Sin and death. Remember this. Sin and death entered into the world through that disobedience that Adam committed in the Garden of Eden. Until then, there was none. So if God didn't create it, if it wasn't his intention, and it only entered into the world through wickedness, that should give you a heads up of, number one, where it came from. Because here's the thing you have to understand. If God is using sickness to judge his children, then all of the wicked things that follow, you know, then God's using uh, sin. You know, God wants some of his children to sin. Sometimes he'll put sin on your life to make you a stronger believer and to understand his forgiveness. No, that's stupid. It's stupid. You know, Paul said, don't talk that way. When somebody's tempted to sin, don't ever say, I'm tempted of God. He said, don't say that. Don't say that. Because God doesn't tempt any man with evil. Bible teaches that. God doesn't tempt. So in the same way God doesn't tempt any man with evil, it's all from the same source. It's all from that wicked, dark source of disobedience. And sin comes from it. Sickness comes from it. And poverty comes from it. Every wicked thing comes from it. That's why Jesus was sent to destroy it, the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. He was sent to destroy the works of the devil. And so I want you to catch this with me. Very important that you catch it. Is that it's a, it's the source of it is wickedness and Christ always treated it as an enemy and destroyed it because it's never from God. I hope I've settled this issue in your mind. It's never from God. God, listen, if you think God's in control of everything, everything, if you don't think that he's given us a free will, if you don't think that men's choices matter and that things that happen are results of our choices, not that God doesn't know what will happen, but he's not in control of everything that happens. That's why I can't understand. I mean, I can't... I really can't. When I when I talk with five-point Calvinists, Reformed Baptists or Reformed Presbyterians, and that the ones that really understand it and that are all in on it, who tell me and preach to me, every single thing that happens under the heavens is of God's own machination and plan. God set it up to be that way, including the Holocaust, including every rape, including every murder, including every abortion, because that's what they believe. Everything is controlled by and predestined by God himself. And outside of his power, nothing can happen. They believe that. They teach that. That's part of their doctrine. Everything is in con controlled by God. Everything is under his domain. And everything that's done is done by his authority done by his authority even the wicked things i was talking to a guy online who literally told me that you know the holocaust happened under god's own control every rape happens under god's own control every murder we don't know why right now but there'll come a day that when we get to heaven you know we'll understand he had a greater plan than we understood in our finite minds like if you believe that that's who god is you are uh, i mean 
That's reprehensible. It's reprehensible to attribute that level of wickedness to God in heaven is reprehensible. It is. It's insane. There are choices we can make on the earth that will bring about consequences. (laughs) Do you think, because here's the bottom line, nobody that believes that way can believe that God is completely holy and there's no way you can believe it. There's no way because every person I talk to like that, I always ask them one question. And if you'd like to know what it is, mark this down. Don't ever forget it. You can ask the same question. If you ever come across a, a fellow believer that believes this way, you have to ask the question, do you believe that God is completely and utterly holy? Do you, or do you not? Because Jesus himself taught that a good tree only bears good fruit and a rotten tree bears rotten fruit. You can't have two kinds out of the same tree. If it's a bad tree, it, 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 it does bad fruit. If it's a good tree, it produces good fruit. You can't have both. So do you believe God is truly holy and utterly holy or not? And if you don't believe that, then you've got serious problems because the Bible says that he is holy, completely and utterly holy. Well, if he is, then see people like that believe because go back to John chapter one and verse one, um, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you go down further and it says from him was everything made that was made and without him was nothing made that was made. So remember this, there was nothing before God, nothing. He existed in the beginning before anything else existed. So if you believe he's truly holy and that he himself does no evil and can do no evil, then you have to ask yourself this question. Where did sin come from? Because if there was no one else but him at the beginning and he created everything that was made, and he's totally holy, then where did sin come from? Unless he created other free moral agents who could make their own choices. He didn't create them as sinful beings. He didn't create them as evil. He didn't, none of that. He actually warned them against that, gave them a free will, but said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat. He said, don't do it. Warn them. There was no evil. There was nothing evil. And then, and then sin flowed into the world. Not because God, not because it came out of God, not because he created sin, but he, uh, but he did create free moral agents that had the ability to make their own choices, just like God did. What did he say in Genesis? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let's give them dominion over everything. Let us give them dominion over everything. When God did that, he created beings that had a free will, free moral agency. And because they did, they could choose whether or not they loved him, whether or not they obeyed him. So there you go. God's not evil. God doesn't create evil. He doesn't make evil happen. He's not even the one that tempted Eve. 
No, God's not evil. He's utterly and completely holy. But Adam had his own will, and so did Eve, had their own ability to make choices, and they chose to rebel against God, and they chose, they chose to give up their dominion, and they chose to surrender it to Satan, and as a result, guess what happened? Sin and death entered into the world because man rebelled against God. And so sickness and disease followed it, not because God's the author of sickness and disease. He absolutely is not. He's the one that heals sickness and disease. Absolutely, Jacob. So understand this. He was the one who created a free moral agent, but man rebelled and man surrendered his dominion, his authority to Satan. And out of that rebellion came sin, came death, came wickedness, came sickness, came disease, came depression, came fear, came poverty, came lack. None of that stuff was in the world before rebellion. None of it. God created a perfect world. Perfect. It was not the creator's original intent. So if we can get that out of the way for you to understand, God's not in sickness. He's not in disease. So anytime you see it, you can be sure I can attack that with full scriptural authority because it's not from God, it's from the devil, and I've got dominion to drive it out by the power of the Holy Ghost, and when I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover. Because inside my body is the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. The greater one lives on the inside of me, and he's greater than all sickness and all disease. He's greater than any wicked thing sent by the enemy to destroy mankind. And in the same way that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, then I also have the ability, according to Jesus, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to be with the Father and I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And when that comes upon you, you'll start doing the same works that I do. What does that mean? You'll start destroying the works of the devil, like I do. You all will be empowered to heal the sick. You'll all be empowered, all be empowered to cast out devils. You'll all be empowered to to set the captives free. Of course you will. That's right. That's exactly right. Ariana said, God made man in his image, so is God's image holy? Yes. And he made man holy and not sinful? Yes. And as God is not sinful. And then man turned away. Man rebelled. And so now, Jesus, who is called the last Adam, was sent and was perfect. And then he died for us to purchase us back and to get our dominion back for us. He got our dominion back for us and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, led captivity captive, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He is the one who took back dominion and said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, and I give unto, I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil. Hallelujah. And nothing shall by any means harm you. You got to have faith in that word. Luke 10, 19, you better have faith in that word. When he said nothing shall by any 
means harm you. Guess what was included in that? COVID-19. Coronavirus was included in that word. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Can I show you a powerful loophole that Jesus gave us? I'm going to show you. Just like a lawyer finds an excellent loophole for a case and wins the whole case through this loophole that he finds in the documentation. I'm going to show you a loophole that God put into the Bible so that no matter what the devil planned in the future, he could never, ever keep us sick or diseased. The devil could not do it. And I'll show you the loophole in the Old Testament. But you know, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You've read that before. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You've read it? Well, if you go back, you've got to realize what the curse of the law is. If he's redeemed us from it, what is it? What are the curses that come because of the law? Well, look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And you can read, and you do this for yourself because I'm not going to go through every single verse because there's a lot. But if you read Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 all the way to verse 68 are the curses of the law listed and laid out so that you can understand them. If you'll not obey me, you'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the field. Your livestock will be cursed. Everything you set your hand to will be cursed. You'll be cursed coming in, cursed going out. He goes down and lists the curses. And then he starts to list. Now listen to this because this is the loophole. This is the loophole. Every sickness, he said, mentioned in the book of the law will come upon you and your family. This was part of the curse. This is part of the curse. And so understand something. When this was written, part of the law of Moses, part of the, the, uh, the Torah, the Pentateuch, every disease and every sickness wasn't discovered yet. You know, there was no AIDS back then. Bible doesn't even mention cancer. You know, none of these things were around. They weren't in the world like they are today. So what if the Bible says Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law and we're only thinking, well, we're, now we only have uh, freedom. Now we only have freedom from the sicknesses that are mentioned in Deuteronomy 28. What about other sicknesses that have happened since then? Look at the loophole that God gave us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Deuteronomy 28, 61. Listen to this. I love this. And every sickness, also every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you're destroyed. Think about this. Think about this. He gave us that loophole so that we would understand even if it's not mentioned in the book of the law and then throughout history, whatever's mentioned, whatever's found, whatever's discovered, 
any virus that's ever created by man or something found in the, in, in, uh, uh, in the natural world, doesn't matter what it is. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And part of that curse is that the Bible says, no matter what the sickness is, even if it's not mentioned in the book of the law, it'll come upon you. Do you catch that? That means any sickness that ever existed in the history of the world or will exist, we've been redeemed from it because of the blood of Jesus. When he redeemed us from the curse of the law on the cross of Calvary, every sickness, every disease has to bow its knee to the mighty name of Jesus and the blood of Christ. And now you've got dominion because Jesus purchased it and gave it to you. Dominion over every wicked thing that would be sent. That would be sent. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost on that. And remember this, any blessing you receive from God has to be received by faith. Always keep in mind when I'm teaching these things, nothing in the kingdom of God is just automatic. Nothing is automatic. Everything has to be received and taken by faith. If if it didn't, if these things were automatic, remember this, if these things were automatic, then there would be no sick Christians. There would be no depressed Christians. There would be no poor Christians. There would be no, in fact, if, if the blood of Jesus was automatic and God's will was just automatically done on the earth, he's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody would be saved. Everybody would be saved. God does not want people to die and go to hell, regardless of what you hear some preachers say. Because there, there are preachers that will tell you that God does want some people and did plan for some people to die and go to hell and eternally be damned to punishment forever. They do believe that. That's hard to believe, I know. But there are preachers, pastors, and I'm not vilifying them, men that truly love the Lord, godly men, godly men that believe that God doesn't want everybody to be saved. And Jesus, you know, do you know that people they believe God Jesus didn't die for everybody? Jesus' blood wasn't shed for everybody. It was only for his elect. That's it. So understand this. They believe that God has predestined some for hell and predestined some for sickness, predestined some for disease. Like William's uh, talking about on YouTube. That's what they believe. Just like, just like what William's saying. See, because people don't understand how to properly interpret the word of God. So you, you, give, an, you give an example like that. Joni Erickson Tata came to the Lord from her own accident. Sure. So that's what God does. He puts people through life-altering accidents to bring them into salvation. That's what they do. Forget about the gospel being preached like the Bible says. God puts people through traumatic, horrific accidents and problems to bring them into salvation. And while all this time, I thought what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to teach was that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ 
that brings men to Jesus, that it's the spirit that draws men's hearts to Christ. I don't read anywhere in the scripture where the Bible says that Jesus uh, was out causing calamity and causing people to be paralyzed and causing people to be destroyed so they'd believe his message. The Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus wasn't out destroying people so that they would believe his message. He wasn't out destroying people so they'd believe the gospel. But the Bible's not, that doesn't teach that. It teaches that the power, remember what Paul the apostle actually wrote to the Roman church. The Bible says in Romans 1.16 that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's not calamity that's the power of God unto salvation. It's not accidents. It's not poverty. It's not sickness or disease. Now, let me ask you a question. If people do get into an issue in their life, if they experience crisis, does that cause their heart to become desperate for God or for help? Of course it does. Of course it does. Just like that phrase that we've heard for years, there are no atheists in foxholes. Of course there's no atheists in foxholes because when the rubber meets the road and your eyes are looking at eternity, you whether you be, whether you lived through your life professing that you believed in a God or not, you better be sure in that moment that you know that there's not a God because if there is, you're in deep trouble. That's where we get that phrase. There's no atheists in foxholes. Does some people that are brought low able to now reach out and trust in a God that they never acknowledged before? Of course. But that doesn't mean that God caused it to happen. Nor does it mean that it's God doing evil things. I don't believe in an evil God. If you do, that's your business. That's exactly true, William. The rich man, Matthew 19, could not accept Jesus Christ's advice to sell all that he had. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to come into the kingdom of God. Because without question, read the book of James, rich people have a tendency to trust in their riches. But it's talking about wicked rich people, not godly rich people, wicked rich people. Remember, godly rich people are already in the kingdom of God. It's talking about the fact that rich people, and I've experienced this as a preacher, that when you preach to people that have it all together and feel like they don't need anything, they're much, much less likely to believe the message because they get proud and they trust in their riches, like the Bible says. That's why Jesus taught that it's hard for a rich man. So what am I saying? Does it cause, does it, does it bring people into a place when they're brought lower, when they go through a crisis where their heart becomes desperate? Of course it does. But that never means that God's the one doing the wicked things. And God doesn't do wicked things because if he did, he'd be wicked and he wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be righteous. He would be wicked just like the devil. And the Bible is teaching us. The Bible, yeah, I said hard, William. <laughs> Pay attention. That's why the Bible says, and Paul taught this. Paul was very clear about this. God has no relationship with wickedness, no relationship with the devil. Light has no relationship with darkness. The devil has no relationship with God. So we're not to have any relationship or be yoked up with an unbeliever. It's a type and a shadow. And if God uses wicked things, then he does have some sort of a relationship with wickedness. Anytime God uses wicked things, if that's what you're suggesting, 
in that moment, he has a relationship with wickedness, which the Bible clearly tells us God does not ever. He only does good things. And so uh, I would say this. I would say that God allows things uh, that are that happen to people that are horrible. He likes to turn those things and make it work in their favor, makes it turn and work for their good. Even though he didn't cause it, he can use it to bring them into the kingdom, as William was saying with, with Joni Erickson Tata or other people like that. God can use things that have happened that he didn't create and then make something good come out of it because he's a God that can do the impossible. But sickness is not from God, never was, never will be. He's the healer of the sick. He's not the one making people sick. And that needs to be addressed in this day and age that we live because you've got so many people preaching that God is doing wicked things, that God is the one that was yeah, for correction or to make you a stronger believer or to get you to more to lean on him more fully. Many of these things are taught, but that's not God's nature, nor is it his character. And furthermore, you are made in the likeness and in the image of God, and you are a new creature in Christ Jesus and carry his power, his dominion, and his authority. And if so, you can do the same works Jesus did. You don't have to, remember this, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher to lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. You don't have to be part of the five-fold ministry gifts to see God's power work in your life. Anybody that's a believer is qualified to see God's power work in their life. Anybody. If you belong to Jesus, then guess what? The Holy Spirit is available to you. And if he is, then guess what? All nine of the gifts of the Spirit can work in your life which includes the working of miracles, uh, the gifts of healings, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, all nine can work in your life if you are a believer open to the Holy Ghost, yielded to the Holy Ghost. And see, we're called to heal the sick. Christians are. You know, one of the things that blows my mind, if you read uh, the longer ending of Mark chapter 16, the Bible says that we're to go into all the world, this is the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved, and those that don't believe will be damned, and these signs will follow them that believe. Now, this blows people's minds, but you know, that that verse of scripture is not talking about people that have been in church for 30 years. And it's not talking about the apostles. It's talking about the baby Christians who just got saved. They that believe and are baptized will be saved. They, those that don't believe will be damned. And the, these signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's talking about people who were just converted who the power of God had come into their life just then. They're empowered then to do the works of the kingdom. Why? Because they just got transferred into a new kingdom. They're new creatures in Christ Jesus with a new identity and a new dominion. Hallelujah. A new dominion. And so understand this. In the same way, go with me to Romans 6. Let me show you something real quick, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Romans chapter 6.
Romans 6.14, we were here last night. Let's go back here again. Romans 6.14, listen to this. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law, but under grace. So remembering that all of these things come from the same source and sickness and disease come from the source of sin, think of this. You could read into Romans 6 here and say in the same way that sin will have no dominion over you, sickness will have no dominion over you. Sickness will have no dominion over you. I can read that, and I know that that's not what it says in the, in the Greek manuscript. I'm saying because it comes from the same source, Jesus paid for the same thing by the same blood, I can turn here and say, sickness will have no dominion over me. Why? Because I've been made like Christ. I've been brought into the new creation reality just like Christ was. Sickness never had dominion over Jesus. Never had dominion over Christ. Not once. Do we don't have any record in scripture of him being sick? Not any, not any. And he is our example. No one else in the New Testament is our example. Christ is our example. We look at the writings of Paul. We, we look at what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. But remember, even Paul said, only follow me as I follow Christ. Why? Well, Christ wasn't on the earth. Remember this. Not only was Christ not on the earth at that time, but these letters were still being written and the gospels were not being circulated to every church yet. Every church did not have a, co a copy of the gospels at the time of Paul's writing that. So they couldn't just open up their Bibles and read what Jesus did. They couldn't. They didn't have Bibles. And they, most of them didn't have any cop the copies of the, of the uh, four gospels. So they couldn't even read about the things Jesus did. So Paul said, because I'm an eyewitness, uh, because I saw the Lord Jesus, he appeared to me. I wasn't one of the apostles of the lamb, but I was, as he said, a man who was born out of time or out of season. I, Jesus appeared to Paul and he was really, in my opinion, Paul took the place of Judas, not Matthias. We never hear about Matthias ever again after he's elected to be the next apostle, after Judas killed himself. But Paul is the one Jesus picked. They cast lots for Matthias, but Jesus appeared to Paul and picked him. I believe Paul was the replacement of Judas, not Matthias. And you look at what Paul did. Matthias, you never hear from again. Paul, who Jesus picked, wrote half of the New Testament, two-thirds if you count the content, and started churches all over Asia Minor and, and turned the world upside down because it was Jesus' choice. But even Paul said, only follow me as I follow Christ. Meaning, if I stop following Christ, stop following me. Because I'm only your example as much as I imitate Jesus. If I don't imitate him, don't imitate me. Why? Because Jesus is truly our example. Not Paul, not Peter, not anybody else. Jesus and we have something that the early church did not have, the full canon of Scripture, inerrant and inspired by the Almighty God. Hallelujah. We're blessed. We're blessed. 
And we've got the full counsel of God's word. And by this word, we can take authority over sickness and disease. Now, the question we ask ourselves is how then can we take authority over sickness and disease? This is the thought I'll finish with before we pray. How can we take authority? How do we take dominion over sickness and disease? How? How do we do it? Psalm 107 and verse 20. Look at this. Psalm 107. This is, by the way, the theme scripture of Miracle Word Ministries. Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent out his word, one translation says, and it healed them. What did? His word did. He sent out his word and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Matthew chapter 8. Look at Matthew chapter 8. The centurion soldier comes to Jesus. My servant is home, sick with palsy. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, you don't have to do that, but speak the word only. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, 8. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word. Speak the word. The greatest answer to the attack of the enemy against your life is to speak the word only. Declare the word of God over your body. Declare it over your mind. Declare it over your family. Declare it over your home. Do you realize it's what Jesus did? I I talked about this, that when the enemy, I talked about this last night, when Jesus was fasting and praying and being tempted of the devil, 40 days, 40 nights, every time the devil came to him with a temptation, to try to destroy him. What did Jesus do? He would always say, it is written. That's how he answered. And the Bible says that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Run away from danger. He'll flee from us. How do you resist the devil? The same way Jesus resisted the devil, by speaking the word only. We have dominion. We have dominion by what we say, by what we confess, by what we believe. Now, without question, one of the methods of healing the sick and one of the main methods is laying our hands on the sick, laying our hands on the sick. And the Bible says, if you're sick, one of the things you should do is call upon the elders of the church, James chapter five, who will then anoint you with oil And pray the prayer of faith, which will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. So we know without a doubt, the laying hands on people to receive healing is scriptural, and it's one of the number one ways to minister healing. But for those of us that are becoming more and more mature, to not go from sickness to sickness to sickness, but to stay in health, divine health, one of the ways you do that is by daily declaring the word, speak the word only. I've taught you that your words carry power. 
Your words carry authority. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so daily release life, the life of God over your body. I release it out of my mouth. I release the life of God and it fills up my body until strength from heaven overtakes me. Why is that the case? Well, look at Jesus describing his own word in John 6, 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Now look at this. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Hallelujah. The words that I've spoken unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spiritual life is in the word of God. When you speak it out of your mouth, you're releasing spiritual life. And every day, as I quote scripture and confess scripture, that's why I'm so excited for my wife's book to be released for you guys. She's putting together a 40-day devotional of confessions in devotional form so that you can speak the word over your life and declare and confess over your life on a daily basis with the scriptures included. And it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. And I can't wait for it to get to your house because we need this more than ever to speak the word over our families, bodies, minds, finances, everything. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. Speak the word only. I want you to write it. Everybody that's watching in the comments before we pray, write it. Speak the word only. That's key. You're doing it like Jesus did it. You're doing it like the master. Why? Because you're filled with the same power that he's filled with. This power of the Holy Ghost. Speak the word only. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Speak the word only. And I'm telling you, everything has to change as you speak the mighty word of God. Everything. Nothing can hide from God's mighty word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's how sharp it is. That's how accurate it is. Hebrews 4.12. That's it. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. Let me pray for you because I know some of you are battling sickness and disease. It's our time for dominion, man. May is our month for miracles, signs, wonders. If you've been sick in your body, if you've been battling, my prayer for you is that by the time this month comes to an end, God would heal you, that you would step out of sickness and disease, oppression, and step into the healing that Jesus has already purchased for you by his own precious blood. The Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. Not we're going to be healed. We were healed 2,000 years ago. That's why we're thanking God. His healing power is greater. Thank you, Lord Jesus. His healing power is greater than any sickness or any disease. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bow your head. Father, I pray now for every wonderful person 
that's on this broadcast or listening on the podcast. I pray the prayer of faith. I pray the prayer of faith for every man and woman. I take authority right now over sickness and disease, and I curse its action in their life and its its, uh, authority that it's trying to take over their physical bodies. And I rebuke it, and I command it to loose its grip and let them go tonight in Jesus' name. I lose healing virtue. Lord, just like you did through Christ, as his virtue flowed out of his body into the woman with the issue of blood, let virtue flow out of us. And every sickness is destroyed. Every disease is destroyed. Lord, let everything come to normal. I pray that they will get a good report. When they go back to visit their physician, I thank you that he will give them a good, healthy report in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for that. We give you praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we call it done in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it and receive it tonight by faith, throw some fire in the comment section and give God thanks and praise for what he's already doing in your life. Remember this, healing virtue is in your body. It was in Jesus' body and in Mark chapter five, he said, I felt virtue flow out of me. It flowed into the woman and she was healed instantly. That same virtue was in Peter and John in Acts chapter three. They looked at the layman and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, give I thee. What did they have? Healing virtue. It flowed out of them and got into the layman and he jumped up and began dancing, walking into the temple with him, praising God. I'm telling you the same virtue that's in Christ, the same virtue that was in the apostles is the same virtue that's in you tonight. And you're anointed to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will recover. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we give God praise. I could tell, listen, we've seen so many healing miracles. You can't tell me that it's fake. Please. We've seen literal blind eyes come open. We've seen brain tumors disappear. I have the MRIs on my phone, the before, the after. I keep them in my camera roll. We have those testimonies. COPD healed, cancer healed. We have the testimonies. I've seen too many things now for somebody to try to tell me that it's fake. And even, remember something, even if I'd never seen anything The fact that God's word says it is more than enough, more than enough. My experience means nothing. My experience means nothing because even if I've never seen a miracle, he's still a miracle worker. Even if I've never seen a healing, he's still a healer. What I've experienced means nothing. It's God's word that means everything. His word is more powerful than any, anything in the universe. He's exalted his word even above his name. And we thank him for his mighty word. We give him praise for his mighty word. I, I thank God for all the healing miracles we've seen. It's been so supernatural, so supernatural. <laughs> God's a miracle working God. We loose the power of God to Susan tonight. Fourth stage, liver cancer. We call her healed in Jesus' name. We believe that what we prayed is coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Granddaughter's seizure is gone for years now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, remember this, Jeanette. 
She said, do you have any testimonies for kidney disease to share with my husband? Remember this. It's not about one or the other. I mean, remember, if God could raise Jesus from the dead, then kidney disease is nothing. I'm I'm assuming his name's Mr. Arnold. Mr. Arnold, kidney disease is nothing. If God raised Jesus from the dead, if Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, we've seen all kinds of organs healed. You know, a woman came into our, if if Sister Patty Lee's watching tonight, her and her uh, husband, Pastor Steve Lee, pastor a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a woman came in with a brain tumor, was on her way in for, for brain surgery on Monday. She came in on Sunday. We laid hands on her, prayed for her. She went out. She didn't come back all day Monday, didn't come back all day Tuesday. And Tuesday night, she walked in with a big smile and said before they could do the surgery, they did another MRI and were confused, kept me for testing because they could find no tumor on my brain. God instantly healed her. I could give you testimony after testimony of organs being healed. No question. Because listen to me, it's not about where the problem is in your body. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ's blood, Mr. Arnold, that was shed for you is greater than any attack of the enemy against any area of your body. doesn't matter where. Brain, heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, stomach. It doesn't matter. Healing virtue, Mr. Arnold, is coming into your body tonight in Jesus' name. I take authority over that issue that's trying to destroy you. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Marie said, you're the one that prayed for our granddaughter in Danville, Kentucky. Yes, absolutely. Faith Church, my friend, Pastor Jay Atkins. And I'm telling you, he's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. He does it over and over and over again. He's always the same. He never changes, never will change. And I thank God for that. All around the world. Can I tell you, I was praying for a lady in Jamaica one time. She came through the prayer line. I mean, the pastor who I love so much, he said, listen, he's got the largest church in all the Caribbean. He said, don't, if people, don't tell people that if they need healing to come forward. He said, because the people so badly want to get prayer for anything. He said, whether they're sick or not, they'll, they'll all come in the line. But I have such a heart for people and I love to pray and minister to people. I said it. I said, if you need healing, and I mean every person in the church, there was over 4,000 people in the prayer line and they came walking through. And one woman came through. I said, what do you want God to do for you? She said, I was doing my hair with one of those combs with the long pointy end, like a pick comb. She said, I was, I was picking out my hair in the back and she said, my hand slipped and I jammed that pointy part deep into my ear and ruptured my eardrum. And I, I can't hear anything out of that ear. And there, by the power of God, I laid hands on that precious woman's ear, commanded that ear, eardrum to be made whole in Jesus' name. And by the power of God, instantly, her eardrum was made whole, and she could hear me out of that ear, which, was, which had been made completely deaf from rupturing the eardrum. Instantly, God opened it up. She began to shout and jump. She screamed, man. She was so happy. Hallelujah. She was so happy. We've seen so many creative miracles. I've seen God do so many things. I've seen it. You take authority. That's right, Billion. You take authority. You command that thing to do what it should do. Function as it should function in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, you've got dominion like that. 
Don't ever take a back seat to the devil and say, well, you know, this is just how life goes. No, take authority and command it in Jesus' name. Command it by the power of God. And it has to listen. Amen. It has to listen in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm telling you, I love to tell these testimony stories because we we serve the only God that has the ability to do these things. Yes, Ariana, what's your question about declarations? Linda Shea, bit by deer tick, no disease is allowed to touch my body, no Lyme's disease, no nothing in Jesus' name. We're standing with you. We're standing with you in Jesus' name. That's it. That's exactly it, Jacob. God desires everything to look like his original intention. And we have dominion to put things back in order according to the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. That's exactly it. How should your declarations change if the atmosphere surrounding you is negative and people are speaking things other than the word of God, should you cancel what they say in another declaration? Well, remember this, people can't speak over you. Someone else's words cannot define my future. It's my words that define my future, not someone else's. So I confess what I'm saying is coming to pass for me. I can't control what happens for somebody else, but for me, I have authority and dominion over my own life. And I'm the one by my faith in God's word. It's like when you look at Mark chapter 6. He could do there no mighty work in Nazareth, except he laid his hands on a few sick people. The ones that called out to him by faith didn't matter that they were surrounded by unbelief. He found them in their faith and made them whole. Same thing's true for you, Ariana. Thank you, Jesus, Sarah. Fallopian tube had a blockage, prayed. Went to the doctor. They could not find the blockage. Jeanette said, I've had pain in my body since last month, but I've been saying shut up and come out and it's going away. Glory to God. The Lord quickly finished that work for Jeanette and for her husband. Total deliverance, total healing in that household in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Let me say this. Yeah, curses. You can't, you can't, you can't curse God's people. Six videos, Maggie, in this Dominion series. You can't curse God's people. How can you curse what God's already blessed? You have authority over your children as long as they're under your control, you know, but when they become their own person and do their own thing, you have to pray for them like you'd pray for anybody else. That's right, Yanil. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to encourage you tonight because as I was teaching and even before the Lord spoke to me that he's dealing and this specifically tonight, I've never felt like this before. And then the Lord told me, I felt it in my spirit. The Lord told me that he's speaking to people that are watching and you, you guys that are faithful to the broadcast, you know, I never say anything like this. So if I'm telling it to you, it's because I felt it quicken in my spirit. The Lord spoke to me that there are several people, I felt like it was seven or eight in that area, that the Lord is speaking to you right now to sow a large and a significant seed into this ministry. 
and that as you're watching right now, the Lord's been dealing with you over and again and telling you and giving you an instruction about what you are supposed to sow. I don't know what it is because I'm not the Holy Spirit and he didn't reveal it to me. And so I'm not telling you, I'm not coming on the broadcast saying, I believe the Lord said now there's eight people that are supposed to give a thought. No, I'm not doing that. I'm saying the Lord quickened to my spirit while I was praying that he's speaking to seven or eight of you. I didn't know the exact number, but he told me I'm speaking to them to sow largely, a large seed. And you know who you are if you're one of the ones I'm talking to because the Lord's already spoken to you. So what I'm saying is just confirmation of what the Holy Spirit has already said to you. I love what my father said for years. Uh, God can speak to us personally. He doesn't have to speak to us through somebody else. God doesn't have an unlisted phone number. We can talk to him for ourselves. And so you're already hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and have already heard it. But you know who you are. And the Lord spoke to me and said, mention it because I want you to confirm to their spirit what I've been saying. And you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And he's put an instruction in your heart of what you're supposed to do during this time right now on the broadcast. And let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the reason that he's speaking to you in that way is because he's got something prepared for you, a harvest that's prepared for you. That's the promise of seed time and harvest. It's not just seed time, seed time, seed time. It's harvest. And I'll tell you this, this is our month for miracles. And this is our month for increase. And God has something magnificent that he wants to do for you. That's why he's encouraging you. And this would be something totally out of the box. This is not something normal I'm, I'm referring to. This is a large seed. This is something that's going to take faith to release. But you know who I'm talking to, those of you that are watching. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it. And those of you that are watching with them, and the Lord's giving you an instruction to sow something tonight, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and sow it. By the, by the spirit of faith that's in you. And on the screen is the information. You know how to do it. Very easy to sow the seed. But I want you to obey the Lord. Because when he gives you an instruction, it's only to bring you into a greater level of blessing. That's the only reason he would talk to you. That's why Isaiah 48, 17 says, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. There's a way you could go, and then there's a way you should go. And when you go the way you should go, he's teaching you to profit. He's taking you up to a higher level. And so you don't have to tell me who you are. You don't have to type in the comments, that's me. I want you to just do now what the Holy Spirit has instructed you to do. And as you do it, God's going to bless you in a massive way because he wouldn't tell you to do it if he didn't have a big blessing plan for you. And I want to say thank you. And for those of you that that's not who I'm talking to, I'm encouraging you to sow a seed as well. Do what the Lord tells you to do. One thing you'll love about being on this broadcast is you'll never come on this broadcast and feel the pressure that all he does is he just pressures us to give. And I, there is no pressure. That's the wonderful thing. There's absolutely no pressure. There's no manipulation. You just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And we say thank you. And of course, I always tell you this, you are an answer to my prayers and to Carolyn's prayers because we personally ask the Lord to team us up with people who believe like we believe that Jesus is coming soon, that there's a world that needs to hear the gospel preached, 
that there are souls that need to come in before it's too late and that we're going to do everything we can to see lost souls reached and people healed and delivered and set free before the time runs out. Thank you, Marie, for sowing a seed. But let me tell you, time will run out. That's why Jesus said in John 9, 4, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it's day for the night is coming when no man can work. So we got to be busy doing what the Lord's called us to do. And you play a, a role in that. You play a major part in that by sowing seed and sending the gospel out. And for that, we say thank you and tell you you're an answer to our prayers. We prayed for you and God answered our prayers. And of course, for everybody that's sowing 85 or more this month, we're going to bless you with this book by my great friend and great and powerful pastor. This man's a preaching machine, Pastor Alan Meshagan Jr. He wrote this book, Heir of Power, that's talking about your identity in Christ, your joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This book will change your life. Powerful book. We already got them in the office. We're ready to ship them out. And uh, we're going to be sending it to every person that stands with us in the month of May at $85 or more. And then, of course, for everybody that sows a large seed of $1,000 or more, we're going to send you that Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible and a hard copy of the brand new book, Further Faster, which I'm so excited about. The hard copies with dust jackets are on the way in. I'm going to sign them and send them to you as my way of saying thank you. And don't forget, uh, this is our month to complete the Bible reading challenge, the, the whole New Testament in just 30 days. This is excellent. And this is, by the way, a great way. It's an absolutely great way to train your spirit to do what Christ has called you to do. Be faithful in your devotion. Be faithful in what God's called you to do so vital that you do that. It strengthens your spirit. Hallelujah. Prayer every day. Reading the word every day. And by the way, I said this earlier, but I want to say it again because I've been pushing this. If you didn't get a chance to go back and listen to the podcast, 1805, episode 1805, it's called The Power of the 224 Rule. That episode will change your whole life. So go back to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and go to find episode 1805 and listen to the power of the 224 rule. It will change your whole life. Apply it. I promise you, it will change your whole life. And thank you to everybody that's sewing. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll be back again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. And then tomorrow night again, 9 p.m. Have a phenomenal night. Enjoy yourself. Get some good rest. Thank God for his healing power. And I'll see you again in the morning. By the way, here's my friend. I call him my friends. I wish I'd met him. This was written by a man named Nathan Haney, who's going on to be with the Lord. He was the head of the United Pentecostal Church. And this was sang, uh, This was a song that was done out in... Uh... <laughs> Cody's making fun of me in the comments section. Can God help with supernatural weight loss? These COVID-19 pounds are weighing on my hips. Let me tell you something. Before the quarantine started, this jacket fit me. I promise you that. The jacket fit me before, before quarantine. So this is where I'm at now, after quarantine. You should be happy you're not in the studio tonight because if this thing lets go, somebody's done for. Quarantine pounds. 
It's what we're all dealing with. I'm sorry. It's just, just where it's at. It's where we're at. We'll have to get back to the keto diet soon. <laughs> you guys are the worst. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Hopefully. I don't know if she will, but wouldn't it be wonderful if Carolyn Elizabeth Shuttlesworth was on the broadcast in the morning? Wouldn't that be great? Isn't it awesome when she's on? I think so. I love you guys. Have a great night. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.